Would you please turn in your Bibles to the book of Judges, chapter 5. I'll be reading the whole chapter, Judges 5. And before we hear God's word read, let's go again to him asking for his help in knowing this text and understanding this text well. Our God, in your light, do we see light? We pray now that that Christ, who is the light of the world, would by his Spirit illumine our hearts, help us to understand this precious, authoritative text that declares both judgment and grace. For your glory, we pray. Amen. This is Judges chapter 5. Hear now the word of God. Then sang Deborah and Barak, the son of Abinoam, on that day, that the leaders took the lead in Israel, that the people offered themselves willingly, bless the Lord. Hear, O kings, give ear, O princes, to the Lord, I will sing. I will make melody to the Lord, the God of Israel. Lord, when you went out from Seir, when you marched from the region of Edom, the earth trembled and the heavens dropped. Yes, the clouds dropped water. The mountains quaked before the Lord, even Sinai before the Lord, the God of Israel. In the days of Shamgar, son of Anath, in the days of Jael, the highways were abandoned, and travelers kept to the byways. The villagers ceased in Israel. They ceased to be until I arose. I, Deborah, arose as a mother in Israel. When new gods were chosen, then war was in the gates. Was shield or spear to be seen among 40,000 in Israel? My heart goes out to the commanders of Israel who offered themselves willingly among the people. Bless the Lord. Tell of it, you who ride on white donkeys, you who sit on rich carpets, and you who walk by the way to the sound of musicians at the watering places. There they repeat the righteous triumphs of the Lord, the righteous triumphs of his villagers in Israel. Then down to the gates march the people of the Lord. Awake, awake, Deborah, awake, awake, break out in a song. Arise, Barak, lead away your captives, O son of Abinoam. Then down marched the remnant of the noble. The people of the Lord marched down for me against the mighty. From Ephraim their root, they marched down to the valley, following you, Benjamin, with your kinsmen. From Machir marched down the commanders, and from Zebulun those who bear the lieutenant's staff. The princes of Issachar came with Deborah, and Issachar, faithful to Barak, into the valley they rushed at his heels. Among the clans of Reuben there were great searchings of heart. Why did you sit still among the sheepfolds to hear the whistling for the flocks? Among the clans of Reuben there were great searchings of heart. Gilead stayed beyond the Jordan, and Dan, why did he stay with the ships? Asher sat still at the coast of the sea, staying by his landings. Zebulun is a people who risked their lives to the death, Naphtali too on the heights of the field. The kings came, they fought. Then fought the kings of Canaan at Tanakh by the waters of Megiddo. They got no spoils of silver. From heaven the stars fought. From their courses they fought against Sisera. The torrent Kishon swept them away. The ancient torrent, the torrent Kishon, march on my soul with might. Then loud beat the horse's hooves with the galloping, galloping of his steeds. Curse, Morose, says the angel of the Lord. Curse its inhabitants thoroughly because they did not come to the help of the Lord, to the help of the Lord against the mighty. Most blessed of women be Jael, the wife of Heber the Kenite, of tent-dwelling women most blessed. He asked for water, and she gave him milk. She brought him curds in a noble's bowl. She sent her hand at the tent peg and her right hand to the workman's mallet. She struck Sisera 
She crushed his head. She shattered and pierced his temple. Between her feet he sank. He fell. He lay still. Between her feet he sank. He fell. Where he sank, there he fell, dead. Out of the window she peered. The mother of Sisera wailed through the lattice. Why is his chariot so long in coming? Why tarry the hoofbeats of his chariots? Her wisest princess's answer. Indeed, she answers herself. Have they not found and divided the spoil? A womb or two for every man? Spoil of dyed materials for Sisera. Spoil of dyed materials embroidered. Two pieces of dyed work embroidered for the neck as spoil. So may all your enemies perish, O Lord, but your friends be like the sun as he rises in his might. And the land had rest for 40 years. Thus far the reading of God's holy word. And may God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Growing up in a godly home is truly a gift from our Father in heaven. I myself am thankful to God for how he has raised me in his grace, in his knowledge through my parents. One of the countless ways that my mom in particular expressed her affection for her children was through song. My mother loves to sing. She loves to sing songs to Jesus. She loves songs going throughout the day in her home. If you entered her home and she's not on a business call, you would hear either a sermon or a song. And my birth, I'm number three of four children. My birth must have been so joyous for her that she broke out in a song because of it. She did not compose a song for her two other children and then the fourth, but for me she did and That theme of joy is part of this song that she made for me. One of the lines, I won't sing it, but one of the lines is, I love my baby boy, he fills my life with joy, and I am so happy God has made him for me. She would one day then make a tradition out of her love for singing. She would come up with a new song for every one of her many grandkids. And we would all await with with joy, For this big song reveal as she spent intentional, prayerful time with the newborn, eventually a new song would would arise and she would sing it and sing it over and over for the newborn to hear, for us to delight in. And whenever Nana comes to visit or is on a phone call, you are likely to hear her singing one of these songs to her grandkids. Either upon request, Nana, sing, us the, sing, us, sing me my song. Or just at the sight of one of her grandkids, she just can't help but sing. As a mother, she rejoices to the Lord over her children, over her grandchildren through song. And in turn, these precious ones thank the Lord for so affectionate and life-giving a mom, a, a Nana, In our text this morning, we have another mother. We have a Deborah, and she rises as a mother in Israel, a mother of Israel, with undying affection for Israel, desiring to seek and maintain the life of her child she sings. You recall that at the start of creation, Adam broke out in praise to God 
for the woman that God had given him. At last, finally, here is a woman, bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. I will sing to the Lord for this so great a gift. And now, with Israel broken in pieces because of his sin, Deborah, this mother of a nation, blesses the Lord. She praises the Lord and she urges everyone to sing along with her because of what God has done. He has once again shown his undying affection for Israel. He has once again affirmed, confirmed his commitment to seek and maintain the life of this child of a nation. The Lord defends his willing servants and these alone bless their victorious Lord. Before I get to the good news in this sermon, there is bad news. Very clearly laid out in this song. And the bad news is that there is darkness for the Lord's foes. There's darkness for the enemies of the Lord. Not all mothers have the heart of a Deborah. Sisera's mother certainly certainly did not. We remember that this chapter addresses the same episode as what we covered in the previous chapter, chapter 4. But this time, there's more mention of God's contribution to the victory. There's more of a heavenly scene of what was going on. Now, Deborah, and her name means bee. I'm going to hold on to that for a moment. Deborah, as queen mother of Israel, prophetically calls men to act, calls even herself to act. In verse 12, again, awake, awake, Deborah, awake, awake, break out in a song. Arise, Barak, lead away your captives, O son of Abinoam. As we read last week, it is the Lord who fights for his people. It is the Lord who wins. It is the Lord who is victorious for his glory. This God, and who is the only God that is, has a perfect track record of remarkable redemption. The Lord rescued them from the Egyptians at the Red Sea. And it is this Lord then who will deliver them now from the waters of Megiddo. The Lord who came to them at Mount Sinai didn't stay at Mount Sinai, but he has come to Mount Tabor. When the Lord comes in battle, the creation comes undone. God roars from heaven And the earth trembles at his word. The Lord descends in battle and the mountains quake under his heavy footsteps. God commands the heavenly storehouse, fills up the clouds such that they have only one choice. And that is to obey their creator. And so the rains come tumbling down. Through these divine acts of warfare, the Lord causes the river to flood the once oppressive iron chariots to get stuck in the mud, the riders to disembark, and then to be stung by a swarm of bees. Do we follow creation's cue? Does that which is not made in the image of God put to us, put us to shame, us who are made in his image, are made after his likeness? The rocks cry out in worship. Do we worship the rock, which is our Redeemer? The mountains tremble before Him. Do we 
Tremble at him who ascended the holy mount. The heavens pour forth praise to their maker. Do we adore the man of heaven? The man come from above. Well, this praise is tied to the destruction of the enemy. There is a maternal malediction. The word malediction just means a curse. You're very familiar with the word benediction, that blessing. And a malediction is the opposite, a curse. There is maternal malediction. There is a maternal mockery at the end of the song. In verses 28 through 30, again it reads, Out of the window she peered, the mother of Sisera wailed through the lattice. Why is his chariot so long in coming? Why tarry the hoofbeats of his chariots? Or why is this princess's answer? Indeed, she answers herself, Have they not found and divided the spoil? A womb or two for every man? Spoil of dyed materials for Sisera? Spoil of dyed materials embroidered? Two pieces of dyed work embroidered for the neck as spoil. Here we have false comfort from Mama Sisera. One woman's benediction is another's malediction. Deborah, as a mother, as the mother of Israel, as she rises in this song, she seems to sympathize with Mama Sisera, but she really doesn't. Prophetically, she is mocking the enemy from one mother to another. And you know how we can comfort ourselves against all hope. We can feed ourselves lies, deceive ourselves into thinking that we're not as sinful as we really are. And that's what Mama Sisera is doing here. She thinks, they've won. My son has won against these Israelites. They've won and they're just dividing up the women. And hey, this kind of thing takes time. There's a lot of Israelite girls out there. More wombs for our men. And hey, every man gets at least one. Some man will get two wombs apiece. This is great. She is reveling in her son's supposed conquests. And oh, all the goodies we will get when they come back. They're taking all of Israelites' goods. Oh, I cannot wait to see these treasures that we have gotten from the Israelites. She is delighting in her son's spoils, in her son's alleged conquest, anticipated victory. That is how she is comforting herself. And her wisest princesses answer her this. They confirm, yes, you're right, your son has won. He is victorious, let us sing. And it's not as if Deborah then comes to her and sits beside her as if to rub her back and comfort her and say, oh, don't don't fret. Don't worry. Your son is victorious. No, she, she whispers in her ears. Nay, she sings for all creation to hear. Where is your boy? Your sweet, girl-snatching, rapist of a man, where is he? He's gone. And if he is to be remembered, it is only to be marked as one soundly defeated by the Lord God Almighty, mighty maker of heaven and earth. That's where he is. He's gone. Because your little boy 
isn't as good as you think. You, Mama Sisera, are not as great as you think. You are an enemy of the Lord. You are a foe of the Lord, and you shall eat darkness all your days. And it seems like God is rubbing salt in the wounds of Mama Sisera's heart because he is. Those who hotly oppose God, those who are God's enemies and who die as enemies do not receive grace and mercy, but unending torment, anguish forevermore. This seems unchristian, doesn't it? To mock and to boast in these ways. This is Deborah, the mother of Israel, who sings an inspired song, and we read other songs that, just, that, re, that rejoice in the Lord who is victorious over all his and our enemies. The oppressed, the Israelites, have become delivered, and they are now the conquerors through the Lord. Their conquest, their deliverance means the destruction of the enemy. Remember, you you couldn't find the villagers in Israel. They were afraid to catch the plague of Jabin. What can the unfaithful people of God do but hide in shame and hide because of the worldly oppression? But not Deborah. No, she says to the Lord, I will sing, I will make melody. You cannot shut me up. I will sing forever the praises of God, the victory of the Lord. We must follow then Deborah's direction here, sing unashamed of God's victory over his enemies. And there are many features that might draw a visitor to a Reformed church. And some of you might be visiting today, and this might be your very first exposure to a Reformed congregation when my wife and I were new to the Reformed faith, we, we needed a church that would teach it unashamedly, unapologetically, that would teach it and teach all of it, the whole counsel of God. And when you come for the first time into a Reformed church, it could be a bit startling, a bit weird. The minister might wear a gown. There is usually just one person up here leading in worship, and even the word worship isn't confined to the music, but to all of the elements of the liturgy of what we are, of what we are giving, what we are acknowledging to the Lord. And they pray. Ministers pray. And they pray. And they pray. There's a lot of prayers in the liturgy, and for a lot of minutes. Now, one of the things that surprised my wife and me when we came to this particular church visiting was this congregation's singing at this particular Sunday that we attended. As we're singing with the people of God, we came to a line that was on the projector screen, and it said something like, may God trample them, referring to the enemies of God. When we sang it, kind of looked at each other with somewhat confused eyes, Really, did we just sing that? Talked about it later. We've, we've never sung anything like this before. But we can't object. It's Scripture. It's the Psalms. 
They were singing the Bible. Shall we not sing what we are told to pray for? Father, deliver us from evil. What is a psalm but a prayer in song? Shall we not adore God who rescues us from evil? Shall we not sing and pray thy kingdom come? What does the coming of the kingdom mean but the deliverance of sinful captives and the destruction of the enemy? Do we pray by faith, deliver us from evil? Do we really want the kingdom of Christ to come? We can sing with the psalmist, whose joy in Psalm 83, verse 9, which we read earlier, connects with Sisera's downfall. Do to your enemies now what you did to Sisera and Jabin at Kishon. And so we sing with Deborah, may all your enemies perish, O Lord. May the enemy of our flesh waste away under the blazing hot light of the Son of Righteousness, even Christ himself. May the world perish and be so thrusted through that they are pierced to the heart by grace and changed as the Lord did Saul. May the evil one be cast into outer darkness, eternally thwarted by God, the resurrected Son. Arise and shine, O God. And let all your enemies be scattered. Drive them out of our hearts, dear Lord. Kick them out of the highways and the byways. Cast them into the sea. Never to be recalled except as example after example of your victory, O Lord. That is what we pray. That is what we sing. There is darkness for the foes of the Lord. But there is at the same time light for the friends of the Lord. That's what we see, verse 31. After, so may all your enemies perish, O Lord, it says, but your friends be like the sun as he rises in his might. The darkness and the death of the Lord's foes mean light for the friends of the Lord. Sadly, it wasn't just the Canaanites who were against the Lord. That we could understand. Of course, they're they're the world, and they would oppose the plan of God, the goodness of God, the, the power of God, the word of God. Surely they would oppose him unless they are converted. Yes, we understand this, but they were not the only unwilling servants. It was not just the Canaanites Many in the tribes of Israel did not come to help Deborah and Barak in their time of need. During this oppression, the people of God would send for help, asking for help from their brothers. And we have the, re- the recorded responses of these tribes. The tribe of Reuben says, We're sorry. We searched our hearts. There were great searchings of heart. We tried to come up with a plan how we can help you. We searched. We tried. We searched. No, it's not possible. We cannot come to your aid. Those of Gilead said, we are sorry, but we cannot cross the Jordan right now to get over to you. Those of Dan said, we are sorry, but we have to stay with our ships. Those of Asher said, we are sorry, but we have to stay here on land. We're just too busy trading. And Deborah singles out in verse 23, Moroz. Curse Moroz, says the angel of the Lord. Curse its inhabitants thoroughly, because they did not come to the help of the Lord, to the help of the Lord against the mighty. 
This place is likely an Israelite village that was in the heart of the battle. Moroz then was geographically close, but so spiritually far away from the oppressed people of God that their absence warranted a special curse from the Lord above. And one commentator says that the curse was so effective that nobody today even knows where this place is. And the commentators are divided. Is Moroz an Israelite village or a Gentile village? But it receives that special curse. They were cursed not for fighting against Israel, but for not helping Israel. Spiritual apathy, dear ones, not taking up the Lord's cause is as spiritually dangerous to the soul as actively fighting against the Lord. And notice this is not simply Deborah's cause or Barak's cause. They did not come to the help of the Lord, to the help of the Lord against the mighty. They did not come to fight with the Lord. Remember Jesus' words, he who is not with me is against me. You're either gathering with Christ or you're scattering from Christ. Thomas Manton, the Puritan, says, The rich man did not take away food from Lazarus, but he did not give of his crumbs. Many will say, I set up no other gods, but do you love, reverence, and obey the true God? Oh, saints, it is not enough to say, I am not against Jesus. That's not sufficient. But I trust in Jesus. I follow Jesus. I take captive every thought to the obedience of Christ. He is mine, and I am his. I follow him and seek to love him with all my heart, all my strength. All that I am, all that I think, all that I feel, all that I do. And I take up my cross and I follow him. That's the disciple of Christ. Saints, godliness is not merely the avoidance of evil, but it is the active support of the good. Benjamin led the way down the mountains, and Ephraim, just behind his brother, marching down into the valley against the iron chariots. The commanders in Zebulun and the princes of Issachar, they rushed at Barak's heels. Zebulun and Naphtali together risked their lives to the death. It is these willing servants of the Lord who bless the Lord for his mighty hand at work in them and through them to defeat the enemy. They were willing to die for the Lord. Through these commendable tribes, then, we are reminded of Christ's words to us that he who forfeits his life for the Lord gains the whole world. In God's covenant with us, there is no such thing as a sideline saint. In Jesus' parable of the great banquet in Luke 14, some refused this man's invitation. One would say, I bought a field, I need to acquire it, I'm sorry, I cannot attend the feast. Another said, I, ha- I have just acquired a bunch of oxen, I need to examine these oxen, I'm sorry, I cannot come and celebrate with you. Or another said, I just got married, celebrate with me, I'm sorry, I can't, I can't come to dine and, and celebrate with you. They all had their excuses. And so they don't dine with the Lord. 
They don't celebrate with the Lord. They don't receive his joyful countenance. They don't receive every holy spiritual blessing from the heavenlies. They don't receive him because they're too busy doing anything else, everything else, but being in the presence of God. We are all called to serve the Lord's army against the threefold enemy, the world, the flesh, and the devil. Where is our loyalty? Is it with the enemy, outwardly and inwardly? Are you of the world to this day? You say, I have not bowed the knee to Christ. No, thank you. I'm doing fine on my own. I'm a great master to myself. I do all my will. I don't need another. Or the allures of the world are just too attractive. Though they are fleeting, they seem eternal. And I'm fixed to them forevermore. Where's your loyalty? Is it with the people of God, but outwardly only? Did you like the name of Christian, but you do not accept the power thereof? Did you like to claim the spirit who indwells you, but you do not truly have the spirit inhabiting you? You say, yes, everyone here in the South is a Christian. I must then be a Christian as well. Are we too busy with our own kingdom, with our own pleasures to fight in the kingdom of God? Oh, I have a proposal to write up this week. I, I cannot read God's word at all this week. I have a business trip. I cannot worship the Lord's day. And after all, from what I know of God, he's a gracious God. He understands. I can't minister to my wife and my kids. I'm just too busy being an elder. I can't get a job. would love to. But I have to get to the next level in this game. Whatever it is, dear children of God, let us not be too busy with our own toys that we neglect the triune God. And God uses even the most humble of people to bring about victory. If Mama Sisera is cursed, JL is to be blessed. As the song says, most blessed of women be JL. JL is vindicated. She is commended. She is most certainly not condemned, despite the commentators that you'll read. She is not condemned here. She is blessed for her actions. As a help me to Israel, she has shown herself to be from the godly seed of the woman. God uses this humble, weak, unattractive, imperfect tent-dwelling woman to carry out the death blow to Israel's enemy and to bring in rest for the people of God. And as Deborah's song comes to a close, she, she slows down the story by severing, savoring every single action of deliverance. It's as if she is saying, get this, every Israelite, near and far, sing with me. Sisera came to Heber's tent. Oh, Israel, sing with me. He wanted some water, but she gave him curds instead and a noble's bowl. Oh, assembly, sing with me. She commissioned her hand on a journey to find a hammer and a tent peg. Oh, sing, church of God. She struck Sisera. She crushed his head. She shattered and pierced his temple. Oh, sing, Israel. 
God paints this weaker vessel of a woman in a position of dominance as Sisera lies between her feet. He sank. He fell. He lay still. He sank. He fell. Where he sank, there he fell. Dead. Blessed to be Jael. Even more, the God of Jael, not of Jabin, for his friends are given a son. His friends are given light. His friends are given a new day. Sisera didn't wake up on earth, but in gloomy darkness, awaiting eternal destruction under the wrath of God forevermore. That's what he was ushered into. But the Lord's friends wake up to new mercies every morning. They wake up to the light of salvation. They wake up to the light of Christ beaming radiantly upon their faces. Most saints are the most blessed ones. Savor every action of Christ, our Savior. For you are under the warmth of salvation, under the light of the world, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The morning star rises in your hearts. For he has risen indeed. God delivered us as he did the Israelites with a hammer and a nail. Do you savor the Savior's pain? Every strike on his back from the scourging, every piece of clothing torn off his body, every thorn that dug into this king's precious anointed head, every splinter that pulled off the cross and found a new home in his body as his body struggled to breathe, every mocking curse that hurled at the blessed Lamb of God, every nail that struck through and shattered his hand, every nail that crushed his heel, and every blow of the wrath from the Father above that poured down on him the heat waves of hell, wave after wave after wave for those hours until the sun finally spoke, it is finished. The sun's heel was crushed, but through that act, he was the one who did the head crushing, did he not? Savor those words, dear ones. It is finished. And because of that finished work, there is rest after the fighting. The 18 years of oppression for the Israelites are a faint memory because of the 40 years of rest for the land. And our life of toil will not compare, dear ones, to the eternal life of triumphant joy that begins now, that awaits us in fullness for all eternity. All of this is light and momentary affliction, and through it God will bestow on us an eternal weight of glory in the presence of the Lord where there are pleasures forevermore. Reflect the light of Christ to others. And for now, as we fight, as we toil, as we labor for the Lord, we do so blessed by God and blessing God as His unworthy but willing servants seeing His salvation O oh, most blessed of men, be Jesus. Let's pray. Our God, we marvel at your salvation. We marvel on the one hand of your justice 
that is executed on all those who oppose you. We marvel still more at the justice that you have given us through the righteousness of Christ and his alone. And we marvel that we are in a position now to praise you, to sing of your redemptive deeds forevermore. We pray that you would continue to work mightily, that the sun will rise in our hearts daily, that we will, lay, that we will live and lead in the light of Christ. In his name we pray, amen. Let me invite the elders to come on up to prepare for communion.